Well, it's great to be together today, and we got our uh, smaller crew, but uh, we're excited to be here. I'm actually going to do this because it's a smaller crew today, so we'll be closer. Daniel will be in the spitting zone now. So uh, it is, uh, It's great to be here. Uh, a lot of us, if you're visiting with us, we're at the marriage retreat today, and uh, if you weren't there, it's a great all the uh, classes will be up online. It was really one of the best retreats that we've been to uh, based on the teaching and just the uh, David Bruce's uh, perspective from a psychologist. And I would encourage you even to listen to it, even if you're not married, because it really, so much of, about being married is just about being good disciples, communicating, understanding yourself and others. And I mean, we learned a lot of, a lot of things. And uh, I think... It gave me some great ideas for our uh, uplift ministry as well. As we're going into the new year, uh, a lot of great ideas on how to talk about how to communicate and talk about male-female relationships, about how to really uh, build our lives in a great way. So I was really encouraged uh, by that. And uh, as we're getting started here today, this is our uh, Veterans Weekend, so I really want to honor those who have uh, served our country or are serving them to protect the freedoms that we enjoy. And if you are a veteran or a current member of service, please stand up so we can recognize you. Yeah! Yes. So thank you. Thank you for your service there, and this is a great weekend to really uh, remember so many of you who have served in a great way. And uh, one announcement that Richard did not get that's kind of new is that uh, the Uplift Ministry, we're planning a 2019 uh, retreat to kick off the year up in Idlewild, and uh, it's going to be from January 4th to 6th. So you can mark your calendars there. We're going to go up. It includes two nights. And five meals there, so from Friday dinner and through Sunday uh, breakfast uh, for $100 uh, a piece. And uh, if that's too much for you, please, you know, we can f- talk to me and we can figure out a way you can maybe make some extra dollars to uh, be able to go. It's going to be kind of our uh, kickoff for the Uplift Ministry. We're going to invite people from Rancho and Riverside as well. And it's going to be a great time to be up in the hopefully cold and hopefully snow. That would be great. Uh, January up there, I think, I think it's possible. So pray for snow, and uh, that's going to be a, a lot of fun. But today I'm excited to talk about Jonah, the running, the running prophet. And uh, how many of you are uh, runners out there? we have any runners? No. No. no runners? How many are not runners? Okay, well, this sermon's not for you. No, just kidding. The kind of running that we're talking about, we've all done it, and we're all, you know, so you'll be able to relate whether you're a runner or not, uh, but uh, you'll see why he's called that in a minute. But turn over to Jonah chapter 1, and we will kick it off, reading in verse 1. It says, The word of God came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. 
Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. So I don't know about you, but Jonah was not happy about the Lord's call. Right? And that's why he's called the running prophet, because when God wanted him to go this way, he ran the other way. And my point number one is a boat and a wind running from God. What, what God was asking Jonah was the equivalent of in 19, in the 40s, in the early 40s, for say you went to New York City and you found a Jewish person and you said, okay, now I want you to go and preach to Berlin and the Nazis and have them to repent and turn to God. And, they, and, and his response would be equivalent to the person from New York going to San Francisco and taking a boat to China. Right? God wants me to go this way, and I'm going to go as far away from where God wants me to go as possible, because I don't want to preach to those people. Many people have called jo- uh, Jonah the reluctant prophet, but I don't know. He was even more than reluctant. He was re- the rebellious prophet, maybe. You know, God sent him to preach to the enemy city. They were pagans. And and it was the capital of Assyria, the country that had taken over the whole world and was really not far away from taking over Israel as well. It, It was the largest city in the world. And many times when God tells us to do something, we can have the same response. Right? He tells us that it's it's great to, you know, if you're having a conflict with someone, to go and talk to them one on one and work it out. And sometimes that's the last thing that we want to do. And instead of doing that, we go and we tell all of our friends about how this person wronged us. Right? So we're going in the exact opposite direction. You know, he's given us our job as well to go preach the word and make disciples of all nations in the world. Right? So he's given all of us that job to go and help other people know God, fall in love with him, follow him. And yet sometimes we're just like, hey, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. You know, that that God wants me to go this way, but I'm going that way. I'm going to do my own thing. You know, so before we judge uh, Jonah too much, we got to look at ourselves. You know, God calls us to do certain things, and our attitude towards that is revealed in how we obey and how we listen. And you can see where his uh, attitude was. A couple interesting things. I love the picture of the donkey in the boat. I mean, that was pretty good. Uh, that's about where Jonah was at. You know, as long as there was smooth sailing, he was not too concerned about what God wanted him to do. But then once that storm started coming, you can imagine this is a picture of uh, Florence, actually, from above. I mean, imagine that's a lot of power. That storm starts building and the boat starts, the waves start coming and you get more. And then all these experienced sailors start getting a little concerned and they're looking around. And next thing you know, they're checking their charts or whatever they're doing. And then, they're, then they start panicking too. And they forget the journey. Let's get all the stuff off the boat. They're throwing money overboard. 
in, in the form of all their cargo, I mean, they are, it's, a, it's a big one. Now they're not so concerned about the, 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 the business venture. They're, they're concerned about their own lives. And uh, it's interesting that it says, when you keep reading, that Jonah actually had told them, even before they left, that he was running away from God. You know, so he wasn't kind of accidentally running away from God. He was on purpose. I know God doesn't want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm, I'm going the other way. You know, even in his rebellious state, he was still giving glory to God. You know, he still had faith, but he wasn't putting it into practice. It's amazing what happened. Once the storm came, he started remembering, and everybody starts praying. That's kind of how we can be, too. Smooth sailing, then the storm comes, and then we're panicking, and we're like, oh, my gosh, we've got to get serious. And then we start going back to what we should have been doing before, right? We start praying, and we start reaching out to God, and that was Jonah in an amazing way. Maybe today you're running from God. And running from God would be defined as you know what he wants you to do, but you're not doing it. You're doing the opposite of what you know that he wants you to do. Sometimes we're just ignorant. We don't know what he wants us to do, and we're just kind of drifting. But sometimes we know, but we don't do. So hopefully that's not you, but some of us, we're probably doing that. You know, I know God wants me to do this. I know he wants me to take care of myself, but I just forget it. You know, we can be, you know, that way in the same way. Let's look at Jonah. Let's keep reading. In in verse uh, 13, we'll start in verse 13. Okay, so this is after they came into this whole, they had this whole discussion of what to do. Jonah says, hey, throw me into the ocean and it'll calm down. They didn't like that idea. And so here we read in in verse 13. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord. Oh, Lord, please don't let us die for taking this man's life. Do not. Hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fist, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Wow. So the solution to their problem was to kill someone in their minds. They're going to throw him overboard. We've got to kill this guy. And then somehow our problem. I mean, you've got to be pretty desperate to go. That's not a really great plan. I don't know that that would be a plan that we would come up with. Okay, we're in a big storm. We're about ready to die. So we're going to throw Bernard overboard, and then we're all going to be good. (laughs) That's a bad plan. (laughs) But they were that desperate that they decided, let's try it. This guy said he's running from God. Maybe he knows something we don't know. Um, My point number two is a sea and a fish hitting the wall. Hitting the wall. You know, it said it, it took them getting Jonah getting to a desperate place before he finally prayed to God. 
You know, it says that it wasn't until he was in the fish for three days that he finally prayed to God with a humble heart. You know, I mean, you would think it would happen a little faster. Right when you get picked up by the fish, all of a sudden you're like, oh, yes, thank you, Lord. Not really. It took being cramped up in the fish for three days. And so many people have tried to explain and what kind of fish it was. And was it a whale shark? That's what I have pictured there. You can see how big it is compared to that person. Uh, was it a, a sperm whale? You know, in the late 1800s, they actually found a sperm whale with this guy, uh, James Bartley, alive in its stomach. And he was like unconscious, but he was alive. I don't know. Things you read on the Internet, you know, I mean. (laughs) Am I going to bet my bank account that that's a true story? No. It says that God prepared a fish. Either God prepared a one-time fish. He made a special fish for this guy. You know, say he made a sperm whale and he just removed all the stuff that they used to eat plankton and just made a big old neck. I don't know. God prepared a fish. We'll just leave it at that, okay? And... uh and Jonah, Jonah was saved. He found faith inside of a cramped, smelly, stinky stomach of a fish. You know, sometimes our faith, we got to hit the wall before we turn to God. We got to get where there's no hope. It's hopeless. We're out of options. We tried to row back to shore. It got worse. We tried throwing somebody overboard. Whatever we do, when we get desperate, Do we turn to God or do we continue to look to ourselves and our own wisdom and our own ideas and turn to people to tell us what to do and get advice from everybody under the sun? Sadly, for most of us, until we hit the wall, we don't pray to God. You know, maybe you're different than that. I know for me, I I hit the wall a few times, time after time after time after time. And I realize, you know, if I keep going, I'm going to hit this wall again. And each time you hit it a little bit harder and you wonder, I don't know if I'm going to make it through that next one. You know, that's where I was at. That's where Jonah was at, too. And he finally prayed to God. And then it says that that God. uh, Let me see where he says that. It says that God vomited Jonah onto dry land in verse 10. That's not a picture you really want to think about for too long, but I'm kind of making you think about it a little bit. Okay, I'll stop. (laughs) Change is not always fun. It's not what we want it to be. It wasn't pleasant. You know, changing for God is not going to be fun in your world in some ways. In the eternal sense and in the, in the future sense and in your happiness sense, it will be, but it's, change is hard. It's, it's always hard. That's why people don't like it. If change was fun and easy, everybody would want to change. You just go, oh, you want to change? Oh, that sounds great. Let's do it. Do I want to change my whole life? Yeah, I'd love to. Where do I sign up for that? You know, God gets us to a place where we realize my way doesn't work. Let me be open to trying 
something else. That's the beginning of faith. Let me try God's way because I know my way is not working. If you feel like your way works, then you're not going to change. If you feel like you've got it all figured out or if I feel like, hey, I know how to do this. I mean, we went to a marriage retreat this weekend. We've been married 22 years. And I, if, if I feel like, hey, we got it all figured out, I'm, I'm stuck. She's stuck with me. How would you feel for Danielle? Okay, this is what you get. I'm going to be 80. I'm going to be exactly the same. You know, couldn't you work on a couple things? I mean, you know, be a little nicer, maybe get a little more romantic. I mean, that would be nice, just a little bit. You know, communicate a little more. You know, we all need to change. Let's not wait till we hit the wall before we change. That's for Christians, too. Because if we stop changing, we're going to hit the wall, too. And God wants us to continue to grow, continue to change And he gives us the way to do it. And we're going to look at that here. Look at Jonah chapter 3. So Jonah hits the wall. Then Jonah 3, 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to that great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give to you. It's almost literally exactly the same words as he gave him in chapter 1. He's giving him a new chance at life. You can start over. Let's, we're going to forget all that. Remember, you ran away and you got thrown overboard and all that. Now we're going to, you get a chance to start over. And it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Amen. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. Most people think that means it took three days to walk around it. Big, big, big city. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Quite a message. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Amazing that he went to a foreign city and they repented. You know, if you read about Israel and about this time, God was preaching to them and they weren't repenting. They weren't changing. So he's preaching to his people and they're not listening. And he goes to these evil, supposedly evil people and they, the whole nation changes. Even the king puts on sackcloth and ashes Sometimes the people that are what church people would call the worst people or what God would call the best people. Isn't that what we've been studying out with Jesus over and over and over? He went to all the people that nobody thought was good enough, and those were the people that were becoming Christians. And here he goes to this foreign nation. I don't know what all the message was, but it's not a real fun message. In 40 days, you're going to be destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's not real fun. I mean, I'd want to move at that point. Like, okay, we're time to move. But they turned to God. They started praying. Uh, my point number three is the word brings repentance. The word brings repentance. Now Jonah was finally running with God. 
He has God. He's going where God wants him to go. He's saying what God wants him to say. And the city responds by repenting. And I love that sign. It's turning around, not just not sinning, but turning around and going towards God. Going towards the cross. Repentance is not business as usual. Sometimes we get inspired, oh, I'm going to change this, and then the next day we just go back to whatever we were doing. You know, they were in sackcloth and ashes for 40 days. You know, as we're going to see what Jonah was doing at the time. And history says that Nineveh was saved for 150 years. It wasn't destroyed for 150 years because they had the heart to change. You know, man, you don't know what kind of difference God would do in your life with, with a repentant spirit. To take the words of God to heart and actually listen to them, believe them, and respond. But in the same way, they had a choice. Either we do nothing and we die or we change and we live. And that's really the similar message that Jesus had when he came. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Yeah. You know, change so that you can be going where God wants you to go and not going away from where God wants you to go. And it's a great thing. When you're living the way God created you to live, it's a great thing. I remember reading the Bible for the first time, and the one statement that stood out to me so much was that the Bible works. When you do it God's way, it works. When you do relationships God's way, it works. When you do your character God's way, it works. When you do your life God's way, it works. And it just built my faith so much to feel like, wow, I could do it my way, and I have no idea if it's going to work, and I actually know that it's not going to work. Or I could do it God's way and see if it works. And that's my hope and my prayer for all of us today is that we'll continue to do it God's way, not our way. That we'll give God's way a chance again. That we'll, con- we'll always be changing. That however far we've come, we can always grow and be more of what God wants you to do. Okay, let's move on to Jonah chapter 4. You guys still with me? Okay. Running with God. Jonah chapter 4, this is after everybody repents and it was awesome and he was, there was a great celebration there in the city. And let's see what, Jonah wasn't too happy though. said, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry because God turned away and had compassion on everybody. He prayed to the Lord, oh Lord, this is not, was this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? So this is one of the few times when you preach a sermon and everybody repents and then you get mad. Like, isn't that kind of what you're trying to do, right? You preach a sermon and you hope everybody just says, yes, let's do it. Let's do what God wants us to do. And so they all did that. 
And the prophet got mad and upset because God was so loving, because God was so forgiving. You know, we learned this thing on our uh, retreat called the 90-10 rule. That 90% of your reaction to someone has to do with your past, and only 10% has to do with that person. You know, so we, 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 we talked about that. Uh, we had a few different examples. Um, I'm trying to think. I didn't ask my wife if I could share examples, so I won't share examples. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the, the example that David shared was that he was in a restaurant. They were ordering up at the counter, and his wife, Cece, was taking a long time to order, and she's just having a good time reading the menu and just hanging out. And David's getting all frustrated because the cashier is just waiting on them, and he's just getting, come on, like, hurry up. He's waiting on us. we got to go. And they ended up getting in this fight, and they ended up not even eating. They left. You know, and they shared all this publicly, so it's better than getting, sharing my wife's stuff. So, so. Um, and so they got in the car and they started talking about it. I said, you know what happened? He's like, what just happened to me? I'm losing my mind and we're like in this argument. I'm in my car. We're going, we're not even getting ready to go home. And over what? And he, they say, starts thinking about it and says, you know, because when I was younger, my mom got mad at the cashier. Whenever the cashier would make an error, she would start yelling at him. And him as a kid, he would just not be able to do anything. He's just like powerless, just wanting to like escape and die. And this was a little different situation, but he just had that same feeling and that made him just react. So really it wasn't to do with his wife. It had a lot to do with his mom. You know, so that's the 1090 rule. That was 90% of it was his own baggage that he's carrying. I don't know why Jonah was so upset, but I know there was a reason. I don't know if his parent, family members were killed by the Assyrians. I don't know if some Assyrian came over and married his mom and they were like half-breeds after that. I, I don't know what. There was some issue that he hated these people with the passion to the point where he'd rather them die and be lost than change. That's a lot of hate. If you're a preacher, too, to hate someone so bad that you're going to go across the world rather than preach to them because you know that they are going to repent. Now, I'd rather you suffer. I mean, you have to, that was kind of where he was at. And that's, that's pretty intense. And yet, uh, Sometimes we can be reluctant, too, to do what God wants us to do. You know, and, and I, I actually feel like Jonah probably has a lot more faith than a lot of us. That he knew if he preached the word of God that people would change. That a lot of people would change. That it doesn't matter where you're coming from, what your background is, if you hear the word of God, you'll come to faith and you'll radically change your life. He knew that even the most evil country, that's a lot of faith to feel like, hey, we could go over to Iran and if you start preaching the word that that whole country is going to turn around and all of a sudden just turn themselves into Jesus. I mean, that was where his faith was. He probably, he had a lot more faith than 
Me, I, I don't have that kind of faith. But that was his faith in the word of God. And yet his, his anger was even greater than his faith. You know, his, his, his hatred was even greater than where his faith was at. And so uh, let's read in verse uh, 10 here. He says, uh, but, Lord, but the Lord said, you have... There, there was a, then a, he sits down by this vine and the vine comes up and you maybe remember the story that gives him shade from the sun and he's all happy about the vine and then God sends a worm and the next day the vine dies. So there's, kind of, there's a lot of miracles going on here. I mean, the vine grows up in one day and gives him shade and then the worm eats it and it dies in the next day and it, he's all unhappy with God again. <laughs> and he tells God, I'm angry enough to die. Very, very impulsive fella. But the Lord says, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? That's a really nice way of saying you're concerned about a dumb vine and you're not concerned about 120,000 people. You're so worried about yourself and whether you're hot and whether you're comfortable and whether you're in a good spot that you're not concerned about all these souls. That's a very nice way of saying that. You know, uh, God says it very nicely there, but my last thought here is the vine and the worm running ahead of God. Right? So he, he runs with God for a while, and then he finishes his duty, and then he's right back in the same exact spot that he was in the beginning. His heart, I don't know, somehow them changing and being happy for God made him upset. That he still couldn't get over that bitter root that had grown. You know, if you have a bitter root that takes away your joy and, and makes you like this, then you got to get rid of it. It says that it spreads. It can spread and defile many, even in the church. But God, uh, God cared about that amazing city and all those people. Sometimes we can be the same way, right? We get so concerned about all the little things in our lives and our houses and our cars and our jobs and our bosses and whatever else uh, is going on that we forget that God is concerned about the 500 to 600,000 people in our valley. That in a very nice way, he would probably say to me at times, I don't really care about whatever that little thing is that you're so worried about. I have 600,000 people that I really care about. Whether your car is this way or your job is this way or your bank account is that way or you're having troubles this way. Get over yourself. That was Jonah. That was, that was his message to Jonah. Get over yourself. Snap out of it. Think about the things that I'm thinking about, don't run away from me again. Run with me 
And I pray that as we're thinking about our lives today, that we that we're not self-absorbed, but we're absorbed with the things that God's absorbed with. That we're concerned about people around us that that don't have God. That we're not so worried about our problems here in the church and we got to be a healthy place. But I think in a lot of ways we've become a lot more healthy place. Let's start looking around. As we were at this retreat this weekend, the thing that kept going through my mind is, wow, we have so many tools and so many opportunities to change. And we have the Holy Spirit leading us at our as people were sharing there this morning about uh, all the lessons they've learned, it was just story after story, miracle after miracle after miracle of where they came from and where they are now with God. I'm just like, wow, that's the message. That wherever you come from, that you can change. And I'm sure that was the message that God was trying to get across to Jonah, that everybody can change. So as we think about uh, our communion today, Jesus uh, remembered this story when he uh, was talking about destroying the temple and raising it up in three days and everybody was wanting to see a sign. And he said, for as Jonah was in the three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now someone greater than Jonah is here. That if you take a minute to look at the history of Israel, that now Israel is 500, 600 years later, and Jesus is there preaching, and they're still resisting. And... And now we're 2,000 years later, and we're still, we're still preaching, and the men of Nineveh will stand up against our generation too. They'll say, you know what, we, we heard the message and we repented. Man, that was great. What happened to you? And I'm not talking about you, but I'm talking about you as in our, our whole country, our whole world. You know, we, Jonah came and all we had was the... His message, just one person, and we changed. And we have the Bible. We have all these miracles in front of us. We have all the evidences. We have everything. And God wants us to change, too. That we, I, I don't want our generation to stand in the same situation. And I love Jesus that he didn't, like, uh, sugarcoat it. You know, he told that to his his people, his friends, his family members, his, his, his countrymen. And so I pray that we have that same kind of faith to preach with conviction and passion. And uh, remember Jesus as he died and, and, and rose on the third day, you know, in the same way that he was in a helpless situation and needed God to do a miracle. That's us, you know, as we put our faith in him to raise us up. I pray we can remember him as we take communion. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for this time to come before you. Help us to, to decide to run with you, God, to, to follow your word, to put it into our lives, to, to listen to you, God, to not fight you. God, sometimes we fight you on the things that we even know are right because we want to justify ourselves. God, I pray that we can humbly walk with you. Help us to have the same kind of faith that Jonah had, that 
that when we preach your word, that people will respond. Help us not to get discouraged or give up or or faithless, God, but continue to uh, have a heart like you, to continue to care, to continue to be concerned. Uh, God, uh, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus and even mentioning this this story, God, to know that the miracles that happened and to know that he was going to go into the heart of the earth for three days. God, we're so grateful that you gave your best to die for us and to raise again, to give us a, a vision of where we get to head. Even what Richard shared and the contribution, God, as a first fruit of, of those who rise from the dead. God, it's hard to imagine but with our, when we love you, when we put our trust and our life in you, when we've decided and committed our life to follow you, uh, that you'll raise us up someday. God, we love you. We thank you for your son. We pray in his name. Amen.